If you've been following prominent conservatives lately, you might have heard a new phrase, follow me on Parler. That's why I'm proud to join Parler. Follow me on Twitter, Facebook, follow me on Parler. Can we now move everybody from Twitter Parler. to Parler? Can we just I, well, like make the shift together, like just say goodbye Twitter? Ted Cruz, Lou Dobbs, Sean Hannity, they're all pitching Parler, a social media platform that bills itself as a home for free speech. And in recent weeks, Parler has taken off. It was the most downloaded app on Android and Apple devices, and it doubled its user base in the wake of the election to about 10 million users. Our colleague Keech Hagee covers the media. And as she's watched Parler's explosive growth, she's wondered just how big this alternative social media platform could get. There have been various attempts in the past to create perhaps a free speech or a right-wing alternative to the dominant social networks, and they haven't really gotten that much traction, and this one really has. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Ryan Knudsen. It's Monday, November 23rd. Coming up on the show, Parler's Rapid Rise and whether its free speech model can actually work. This episode is brought to you by Mercury. There's an art to making the complex feel simple. Everything should be in sync so that even the smallest part serves a bigger purpose. Simplicity can transform your business operations. That's why Mercury powers your financial workflows from the bank account, giving ambitious companies like yours the precision, control, and focus they need to perform at their best. Apply in minutes at mercury.com. On the surface, Parler is a lot like Twitter. But instead of tweets, you have parleys. Instead of retweets, you have echoes. And instead of a 280-character limit per post, Parler gives you 1,000 characters. But even though it's similar to Twitter, the company's founding philosophy is very different. Parler was founded in 2018 by John Matzi and Jared Thompson as a free speech alternative to Twitter, basically. A place where two things would be really different. Number one, you would not be censored, as they put it. On Parler, you can post pretty much anything you want, including hate speech, depictions of violence, and pornography. There's minimal content moderation. And number two, you would not be surveilled in terms of data. Parler doesn't collect individual user data to serve you ads, and it also doesn't use an algorithm to influence what posts you see. They just have a reverse chronological order, so whenever you go on there, you don't see posts that are put there by an algorithm, the way Facebook does. That is based on how viral this post was or how many engagements it got and how much the algorithm thinks that you might want to see it. You just see the posts of the people that you follow, whatever they posted most recently. Are you on Parler? I am on Parler. And what's it like? Yeah, so I'm very new to it. When you sign on, it suggests here's some folks you might want to follow, some of the big media personalities that are around. And then I'm really interested in sailing. So I decided, well, let's see what there is about sailing (laughs) here on Parlor. And uh, yeah, there are a few people that are interested in sailing that I decided to follow. And you see that the tent is pretty big. You know, 
people are defending the Black Lives Matter movement. But generally speaking, um, it's a lot of conspiracy theories. Parler has attracted conspiracy theorists since the beginning. Some of its earliest adopters were people like Alex Jones of InfoWars, who'd been kicked off other platforms. QAnon also has a big presence there. But as the 2020 election approached, Parler started catching on with a broader audience, conservatives fed up with Facebook and Twitter. Slowly, over the last few years, those platforms have rolled out new policies to either label state-owned media or label hate speech more than they had in the past or limit the virality of posts that they consider problematic, fact-check them, and as we saw in this most recent election, you know, label the president's tweets, you know, one after another in the wake of the election when he was tweeting about the election being fraudulent without any evidence. So you hear on the right in particular this outcry that the big tech platforms are essentially censoring them. So some prominent conservatives turned to Parler, like Texas Senator Ted Cruz. This platform gets what free speech is all about, and I'm excited to be a part of it. Big tech is out of control, filled with hubris and flagrantly silencing those with whom they disagree. Other big names joined too, like Maria Bartiromo and Tucker Carlson. And their fans followed, especially in the week after the election, when Parler's user base doubled to 10 million. How did Parler handle all that growth? So it was pretty challenging for them. They only have 30 employees and they had some technical issues. Uh, Their search function didn't work very well for a while. Uh, It was just an enormous amount of growth for their servers to handle. So uh, they did have trouble, but they said that they had stabilized things after a few days. But it was just an explosion that was led by these sort of conservative influencers. But Parler's conservative influence goes deeper than just the flashy names on its platform. The company also has a powerful conservative investor backing it. Who's funding them? So it was a great mystery who was their main backer until very recently. In fact, investors signed on sort of not knowing who the main backer was. But we reported that, in fact, the biggest single investor in Parler was Rebecca Mercer. And who is she? Rebecca Mercer is the daughter of Robert Mercer, who is a billionaire who made his money in hedge funds and has become a major political donor and force on the right. So for years, father and daughter were sort of a political investing force. They invested in Breitbart News. They were the ones who brought Steve Bannon into the Trump circle right before Trump's election. Rebecca Mercer was part of Trump's transition team advisor circle, and they really had a lot of power and a lot of prominence. Parler isn't Rebecca Mercer's first tech investment. She also invested in Cambridge Analytica. Cambridge Analytica, you might remember, improperly used Facebook user data in Trump's 2016 campaign. After Keech and a colleague broke the story of Rebecca Mercer's investment, Mercer posted on Parler. She said the platform was a necessary antidote to the, quote, tyranny and hubris of our tech overlords. Why do you think it's significant that she's involved, that she's backing Parler? Well, a couple reasons. First of all, it shows that there are deep pockets there, which suggests that it really might be able to build the infrastructure to truly endure and to be a real force. 
But the other reason is that she is a political player, right? She has funded super PACs. She backed Ted Cruz. She and her family did. They then backed Donald Trump. And, you know, they are well-known political donors on the right. Parler's connection to the Mercers gives it access to money and political influence. But it might need more than that to build a successful business. That's after the break. This episode is brought to you by ServiceNow, the AI platform for business transformation. AI is only as powerful as the platform it's built into. Enter ServiceNow. It puts AI to work for people, for employees, for developers, and even your customers, removing frustration and supercharging productivity. On our intelligent platform, AI isn't just a promise. It's happening today. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Tap the banner to learn more or visit servicenow.com slash AI for people. This episode is brought to you by Vonage. With Vonage Video API, your developers can easily create custom video experiences tailored to your business. Enhance every conversation with live video, whether it's delivering faster tech support, improving customer service, or enabling interactive meetings and events. Unlock the true video potential of your business. Discover how at Vonage.com. Parler's free speech ideals are part of the reason it's growing so fast. But those same ideals could also make it harder for the company to make money. Take its commitment not to collect user data. Most social media companies make money with targeted advertising. They harvest data about what you do online, and then they basically sell it to advertisers so that advertisers can find, you know, a woman who lives in the suburbs who's interested in sailing (laughs) and advertise sailing shoes to her or something. And that's the model. But if Parler doesn't do that, how does it plan to make money? Well, they have advertising. It's just not uh, behaviorally targeted advertising. And they have said that in the wake of all this interest, you know, they have been sort of flooded with a bunch of new advertisers and new potential investors that could keep them going for a while. But is that a viable business model? I mean, it seems like most digital advertising these days really wants to target people. That's the whole value of it. Yes, and they're upfront about the fact that this sort of philosophical commitment that they have very well may slow their growth. Um, But they're willing to take that sacrifice in order to play the long game of, you know, being a brand in a place where people know that they're not going to be tracked. Obviously, Parler's ability to make money will depend on whether they can keep users hooked. And given that Parler operates so differently and doesn't have these recommendation algorithms like Twitter and Facebook do, how do you think that might affect Parler's user engagement? I am so fascinated to see the answer to that question because, you know, we all know that that we are these sort of rats in a cage when we're on Facebook or or Twitter, right? That just like, give me another pellet, give me another one, give me another dopamine hit, please. And we're sort of powerless and addicted. And I'm so interested to see over time, once this sort of political moment has passed, whether these users will, in, in fact, stay engaged in a reverse chronological kind of old school blogging model, or whether you really need those algorithms to keep you hooked. It's, it's a huge, interesting test, completely beyond you know, the broader free speech question. But Parler's commitment to free speech could also pose an existential risk. 
Because Parler doesn't take down hate speech, it risks becoming a platform that's beyond the pale, that's so full of vitriol and racism that other businesses and users don't want to be associated with it. It's happened before. This happened to Gab, which was another platform that billed itself as a place for free speech that was not going to censor voices. Gab launched in 2016, two years before Parler. Like Parler, it attracted far-right users who'd been driven away from other social networks. And some of these users posted anti-Semitic and other hate-filled messages. In 2018, one Gab user actually followed through on his violent posts when he shot and killed 11 people inside the Tree of Life synagogue in Pittsburgh. We know the shooter used Gab to post anti-Semitic comments and conspiracy theories. And on Saturday, the shooter allegedly posted this message before the shooting. Quote, screw your optics, I'm going in. Gab was seen as having sort of blood on its hands as a result of that. And there was enormous outcry. Some of that outcry came from companies that worked with Gab. After the shooting, it was forced to switch web hosts. San Jose-based PayPal canceled Gab's account, and San Francisco-based Stripe said it's suspending transfers to the site's bank account. Gab was knocked out for a few days. It did come back, but it's not large. And I think it's always struggled with these platforming issues because, you know, once you become known as a, as a, as a cesspool of anti-Semitism, as, as people have said, then it's, it's very hard to get businesses to do business with you. After the shooting, Gab said it would try to do more to curb threats of physical violence on the site. Parler does have some content moderation. They do say that they have a, you know, a community of volunteers that is supposed to take down things that violate policies against, let's say, incitement of violence and things that are really extreme. But they do not moderate things like hate speech. You know, there is a process of some content moderation that exists there. It's just really a question of is it strong enough. Regardless of whether Parler continues to grow or fizzles out, what does its popularity right now say about the social media landscape? I think it's just another example of conservatives and and people generally finding alternatives when the platforms that have been dominant for so long aren't giving them the place they need to find and have the conversations they want to have. Do you think that Parler stands a chance of growing big enough to put a dent in Facebook and Twitter? I don't think anyone thinks that Parler is going to become as big as Twitter or Facebook. But even if they could get enough oxygen to thrive, that would really reshape our understanding of the internet right now. How so? There is this feeling like people don't have an option. People don't really have an option besides Facebook. That is how users feel and that is how the advertising market is largely working. And if Parler could show that actually you can come on and make an alternative social network and get enough users to at least have a meaningful business, I do think that would change the conversation. That's all for today, Monday, November 23rd. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and the Wall Street Journal. Additional reporting in this episode by Jeff Horwitz. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.